podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to The Bearded. My name is Matt Workman. I'm joined, as always, by Joe Goodman. Joe, how's everything doing today? Uh, everything is plugging along, man. Uh, coming off of a, a beautiful and wonderful Saturday and weekend as a whole, so really can't complain this week. Yes, absolutely. It was a great college football Saturday, um, starting off early and all the way until the night. I can't complain about that. And I don't want to waste a lot of time. I want to get into your your report. You were on the scene in Waco in the press box, so why don't you just go ahead and kick us off with how your, um, your weekend or your Saturday went. And Saturday was great. Um, I got to, got to meet some really, really great people too. We got in on Friday night into Waco. As you said, I was there live and in person, um, met up with a couple of folks, uh, Joe Sobear, Jack Ryan, Steven from Virginia. If you follow any of those guys on, on Baylor Twitter, we were able to meet up and have a beer or two. Um, also Evan a bear himself. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the 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 big boys of Baylor Twitter, um, love him or hate him, I love him to death. He's a great dude. Um, but was able to meet up with those guys Friday night, and then met up with with them again, and a number of other folks um, that I think a lot of people have gotten really close, especially over the last year and a half or so in the pandemic. So it was really got nice to to meet a lot of folks. Um, got to see you know Amy Paget, got to see um, Peter Pope. Uh, Nick, you know, I think he goes by a uh, height of idiocy, ZK Mavs, um, just a lot of people were out there, out there tailgating this weekend. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but to the actual, like biggest, I think event that people want to hear about is, is yes. As you said, I did, I did have a press pass this week for the game. Um, and I was able to make it into the press box. Um, it was, it was, I cut it close. I got there. Uh, I wanted to tailgate as much as possible. And I got there right before kickoff. Um, got in, got my pass. And right before I could get on the elevator that took me up, um, we got stopped actually me and a couple other folks. Um, and we were told we had to wait because the coaches use that elevator to get down to the field level. So we had to wait for the coaches to get there. Um, and I was standing there, Joey McGuire, uh, Sean Bell came walking by, hopped on the elevator and went down. Um, it was cool to see those guys up close and with their game face on, right? Like they were like going out there to get ready to start the game. Um, made it up to the press box. It's gorgeous up there. Um, very, very well made. It's huge. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming if I'm, if I'm being honest, um, ended up finding a sheet of paper, um, that had like the assignments of where you're supposed to sit and found my seat and had our podcast name on there. Um, great view from the corner of the end zone, looking out at the Brazos river. Um, to be honest with you, I think it's probably the best view I've ever had in that stadium, um, and I was actually, believe it or not, seated right next to Travis Roeder from our daily bears. Awesome. Um, and I think my favorite anecdote, if I could tell anybody about, about what it was like up there was Travis Roeder. Um, well, uh, let me preface this with, there's a general rule when you're in a press box that you do not cheer. Um, even if you're covering the home team or you're a fan of the way team, whatever it is, you don't cheer yeah. and you don't wear anything that has um one of the team's logos on there the, nobody wants to seem biased in there yeah i ended up wearing a green pullover over a baylor polo that i had it was actually a pretty hot day so it kind of sucked to do that 
Um, but I didn't want to have the Baylor logo openly showing. Um, and I took my hat off that had Baylor on it and kind of carried it close to my side and put it under my, my seating area. So nobody would see it, but Travis, um, you can tell there is that, that man is a, a green and gold, gold guy. Um, until the end, he, every single big play that we had while I was up there next to him, like you could see, it was just, it was so hard for him to, to, to hold it in. We'd have like Abram Smith would break a run or on any of the, uh, the Ben Sims touchdowns, you know, you'd see him be like, and he'd want to just yeah. jump up and scream as if he was at home. Um, but he was the, the utmost professional about it the whole time, but it's something I love. Love like you can just absolutely see the passion that he has for the game and for this team. Um, so love seeing Travis up there. He was he was a great dude. But yeah, man, it was a it was an absolutely unique experience. I've I've been in press boxes for like high school games, um, never for anything like that. Um, everything about McLean Stadium, just in general, is is top notch, high class, and the press box was was nothing short of that. Um, Really, really glad I got the opportunity to go up there. And um, next time I plan to go to a game, I'll, I'll see if uh, see if we can't make it up there again, so that we can we can bring back news of how everything works for you guys. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the the background of of what it was like, you know, experiencing the game in person. But Matt, let me ask you, yep. as a home viewer, as a guy that was able to like sit down and consume the game and not be distracted by kind of maybe the pomp and circumstance of the stadium experience and meeting a bunch of people that you haven't seen in years um, or maybe that you've never met at all. What was it like? Give me give me your recap of, of the Baylor West Virginia game um, and really how it made you feel and what you saw this weekend. Well, that was a huge um, difference from Oklahoma State. And you could really see that the, what what they struggled with uh, in the Oklahoma State game um, wasn't a factor. Offense looked like fired at all cylinders. But I like that they started off early with, um, you know, taking shots downfield in the passing game. Um, especially you could tell that West Virginia was – they were gearing up to stop the run. And they, they weren't really scared about the uh, – Gary Wilhand and all the passing game and made them pay. Now – there has been some controversy. I don't know if you're aware of this. Have you heard about this? So it's, yeah, the offense works when the other team doesn't know your plays. No, I haven't heard this. Go, okay. go on. So apparently in spring, Baylor had a offensive line GA who was there for like the, maybe the first part of spring and then left because he took another GA job at his alma mater, Oklahoma State. Oh, so he was there for the install essentially of the new offense. And there's been a lot of chatter and some people say like they kind of confirmed it through back channels that, yeah, I mean, he took his playbook with him and apparently we didn't do a lot of changing of our hand signs or signals. And they may have had a, you know, known what, what we were calling whenever we were signaling in place. Hey, if that's true, more power to Oklahoma State. I I say that that's my if, exact. I was my Gundy. I'd do it. I, if Dave Aranda gets that up, like, are you going to sit week? here and tell me? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Matt. Do you think this week we need to be take the higher road? And, and if BYU doesn't change, no, 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 no. Yeah, and that's totally. But that would explain coaches. a lot. I mean, totally on Baylor. You know coaches. what? I'm going to buy it because it makes me feel better. Yes. <laughs> if anything, it gives me like I've heckin'. Say like, well, yeah, well, they knew what we were doing, so of course we didn't look good. But yeah, 
if we can, uh, but you're right. That's if that's true. I mean, you should have changed the uh, hand signals. I mean, but anyway. But um, other than that, I thought that the offense played really good. There's still a little bit things to work on. Oh, our penalties were down. That was a good good thing to see. Um, defensively looked good. I had like six sacks, another takeaway. So all in all, it was a it was a great performance. Just a little bit things here and there to really work on. My one critique would be as much as I love Tristan Abner, he seems to hesitate, like putting his foot in the ground and going downhill, and he wants to kind of stretch it and stretch it wider and wider. And then you see a lot of like no gains, one yard gains from him. And I just wish he would just be decisive because he has the speed. If he be, if he's decisive and there's a crease, he could be gone. And you have a lot of home run balls that are just we leave on the field. Yeah, he's a dancer, but you know, he's one of the he's I, I look at him, he's a home run hitter, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna strike out a few times, but but be careful if if you don't if you don't pitch him right, he's gonna take a yard. Um I, I have to tell you, one of the things that I really picked up on in this game, seeing it in person, um, and I was lucky enough, like I stayed in the press box until halftime. And then the second half, third quarter, I actually got to go sit down at the lower level with some folks um, really close to the field and watch it up close behind the Baylor bench. And then the fourth quarter, I ended up watching that actually up at about midfield in the upper level. So I got a lot of different views mm-hmm. of this team. The most interesting one was in the third quarter when I was really close. And this team, if there's one word that I can use to describe Ebner, Smith, Bohannon, every major like leader and playmaker on this team is they're just cool, man. Like they are, they just, they, they really have, I think, bought into that Aranda personality and you just see them on the sideline and like, they get a little hype, like they'll jump up and down and they get excited about stuff, but there's a confidence and a coolness about each and every one of them. They weren't getting getting too high or too low on anything. They seemed so down to business. Um, Every single assistant coach I felt like on the sideline had their group of guys. Everybody was constantly focused on what was going on. Um, The offensive guys, when the defense would be on the field, that would be the only time, the only time they were kind of not figuring out what they wanted to do next was when they were turning around, trying to get that the fans hyped. But I mean, God, they were just such a cool group of guys. Um, and then the second thing that I really loved was getting to watch Gary in person. He is like, you know, if I use cool to describe, you know, the team as a whole, he's just smooth. He's effortless. Um, the ball just comes out of his hand and it just floats. And I mean that in a good way, right? Like he just, yeah. it feels like he's not doing anything to, to put velocity behind it. It just naturally comes and he knows exactly where he wants the ball to be. There were multiple times in the first half when I had a really good high up view from the box that I would see there'd be kind of some crossing patterns and I'd go, oh, he's throwing it to the five yard route right here. Like you just that's where my brain was like, this is where it goes, because that was where there's there was a, a wider open window. But no, he's throwing it 15 yards or 10 yards to the to the tighter window to the guy that's, you know, got his man on him closer. And he just nails it in the perfect spot. Um that you know just watching this offense it was great um and then the the final like major thing that i i loved was getting to watch terrell bernard again man um i tweeted about there was there was one play where and i was getting adhd when i was up that there's just so much stimulation going on and you you're like you're like i want to look over here no 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 here and sometimes you miss everything that goes on especially when the team's on defense and you're just focusing on the ball 
Um, so one play I said, I'm going to, I'm going to stare at Terrell Bernard and I'm not going to look away until this play is over. And it was the best. He got a sack. And, oh, yeah. um, he got into the backfield. He got a sack. And so I started typing that out on Twitter. Like oh, I was going to stare at Terrell Bernard and he just got a sack. And then boom, right after it, we got another sack. And I think it was after Baylor's first punt when that happened. Um, we had back-to-back sacks on second yeah. and third down to, to get the ball back. Um, but man, like, I don't know if you can tell I, I that game really got me hyped up. We were, I think we were all just kind of low after Oklahoma state. And I told everybody on the podcast last week, I think we were going to have a good taste in our mouth to be ready. We're going to be feeling good after the West Virginia game. And man, we all are. And I, I think it's great going into what we have this weekend. Couldn't be happier with the result from Saturday. Absolutely. I, um, I thought we could win big too. Uh, or win by, I thought we'd win by a couple touchdowns and we sh- um, went out there and did exactly what I thought Aranda was talking about when he was in his press conference when he's, he wanted to come out there and start fast, start fast. And then, you know, the first quarter, it's 21 to seven at the end of the first quarter. And so, and then, they, you know, pretty soon after that, they put on another touchdown. It's like, once it was like at that point, you figure like, okay, I don't think they're going to really put their foot, take their foot off of the gas. And so they just kept on scoring but in their way you know their what i like about it is unlike last year you can you can see kind of what the identity is of the offense where we're going to you know play our wide zone be violent you know one cut downhill but then once you once you're you getting seeing those looks we're going to take our shots so i really liked it now i will say another good point about the um on the defensive side is I was jazzed about um, Apu Aika and his game that he had. He absolutely played a great game. I think he had two sacks. Uh, it's kind of coming out game and everyone's been kind of waiting to see what he does. And he finally kind of broke out. And I was, I was super pumped about him. Dude, he flashes. He's just, he comes out of nowhere. And, and for a guy that size, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, you're, you're spot on. He, Did you get yeah. to see any of the, um, the like TV coverage no so the only stuff that i've seen so far are some highlights that that people have posted online the highlights that um that that baylor has put out um some of the tweets travis roter has done kind of breaking down the offense and the defense but no i didn't i haven't seen any of the tv broadcast well that that one that sack um the one inside maybe his first sack his first sack i mean he i can't believe he moves that that quick for someone his size if he just sidestepped that lineman it was like straight into the backfield. I mean, it was like as soon as Deggy was like in the, the top of his drop, I mean, Ike was right there to take him down. Yeah, and, he's he's a beast. And, I mean, I, I just feel like this team's getting better every week, and it excites me. Yes, it is super exciting. Um, anything else from the weekend that uh, jumped out at you? I don't think you probably didn't get a chance to see any of the Red River is going on simultaneously. So we got to see the very end of Red River. Um, and I, it's worth it to talk. There's two games we should talk about, but I think, I think before we get into this week, we got to cover, we got to cover those games. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, we, everybody was kind of paying attention to red river on their phones at the game. And it was like, Oklahoma was getting like, seriously, Texas is really beating up on them. And so I stopped looking at the score. I think when Texas was up about 21 or something, I stopped pulling out the ESPN app and even looking, um, and it wasn't till near the end of our game where I think somebody sitting around me or one of the guys I was with um, 
mentioned, hey, like Oklahoma's only down by a touchdown. And so then everybody kind of had their phones out looking at it again. Our game ended and we stayed till the very, very end of our game um, through the playing of good old Baylor line. And then we walked back to the tailgate area um, that we had been tailgating at and everybody was there still like everybody had gone back and we had the TV on the Red River game and I got to see the last Oklahoma drive. That was all I got to actually watch was the last Oklahoma drive. Um, and I think it was a, the 37 yard touchdown run to, to close it out, which was absolutely hilarious. They're not even um, trying to score. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just they're trying running to keep it field goal like under 30 seconds. Yeah. And so, I mean, Oklahoma's content. They're going into overtime and then the Texas defense just quits tackling. And then he goes like 37 yards for score. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was watching it. I was like, I was like, my mouth was open. Like, I can't believe he just like walked it off. I think it was just a like a uh, uh like Mason Mason and Evan that were there together at the tailgate. And like I remember seeing the score happen and both Mason and Evan immediately pulled out their phones. Like, and I think I think that anybody around them, it was every single person all in unison pulled out their phones because we were all getting ready to clown Texas. <laughs> so I know I know that one's tough on you, so I won't I won't focus on it because okay. you, you've got your childhood, right? You know, we all rooted for our teams when we were kids. So I, I wonder, did that one hurt worse or are I don't know how to feel about the the nightcap game that we had the unbelievable happen where AM pulled out their random magic with a backup quarterback and knocked off the Alabama Crimson side. Number one goes down in college station. How'd you feel about that one? That one, um, well, I'll, let me preface it like this. I, I had a fandom with with Texas since all the um, stuff that went down with Baylor. I've, their fans have kind of turned me on on the uh, the school, so I'm not quite. I didn't. I wasn't hurt at all by the by the. I was laughing at it because mm, a lot of my friends wonderful. are still Texas fans, and I, I'd love to send off and talk shit and clown Texas. And A and M is is weird because my niece is like going to A and M like next next fall she's going to go to Texas A&M and I I was enjoying I really I enjoyed every minute of that A&M uh, Alabama game it was an excellent I'm not A&M, I know a lot of Baylor fans like they absolutely hate Texas A&M and I'm just I just don't for some reason I just never had that level of like hatred cuz I was never really around like obnoxious A&M fans so I never got that from from people See, I'm from, yeah. yeah. See, being from Houston, Houston's an Aggie town. True. So True. I, I grew up around Aggies everywhere. Um, and I'm one of those Baylor fans. Like, I can't stand Texas AM. When when they were still in the Big 12, like I would have preferred yeah. beating AM every year to beating Texas every year. But I, since they've left, yeah, that's what I'm I won't thinking. lie. Like, so I long. care about them, I care about them less. And uh, that was just even if you hate AM, you a you love seeing Alabama go down there. I don't think there's anybody that's like you're either an Alabama fan or you're not. It's like the Yankees or the Lakers or the Cowboys. You either root for them or you root against them. There's really not an in between. Um, and it turned into just a genuinely good football game. You yeah. thought it was like one of those games. Like, is AM going to run away from this or what? You know, or are they going to pull an AM and choke? And then third quarter comes along. And you're like, oh, okay, they're going to choke. A&M. Yeah. We're going to get to laugh at them. And then they ended up pulling it out. 
and I, I'm not going to lie. I was happy for Aggies on Saturday night. Yeah. The thing about it that struck me was like, it seemed like it was kind of like the hubris of Alabama. They were not concerned one bit about, yeah, they it's what happens down when you have Bill O'Brien like, well, calling We're going to come back and cause that's what they normally have done. Yeah, exactly. And they just, um, they, they forgot how to cover, um, Wiedermeyer, for some reason, he left him wide open all night. Um, so, I mean, it was confounding because they didn't play good. If, if I was an Alabama fan, I'd be concerned moving forward because if you do get through the West, I watched a little bit of the Georgia game, and they're just like a, a buzzsaw cutting through the SEC right now. So I would be concerned if I was uh, Alabama for sure. It's, it's Georgia's year. Yeah. I, I think uh, Georgia made Arkansas look fraudulent and not to, yeah. not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they have a game this weekend that I think that they might do the same thing again. But before we start talking sure. about SEC matchups, yeah. Matt, <laughs> let's, let's get into, let's, let's snuggle up into our own little world of comfort in the big 12 plus. You know, as yeah. we do, as we do often here, we'll be talking about the, the Big 12 matchups of the week, including any of the schools that will be uh, joining us in the future. Um, and believe it or not, it's a consolidated week. We have our first game that's going to be happening. It's on ABC at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Um, this is a, you know, a big bright spot for Cincinnati, ranked number three in the country, but they're facing off against future conference foe Central Florida. Matt, tell me the details. Who you got in this game? Who's favored? And what's FPI telling okay. you? So the last I checked, I had is Cincy was favored by 21 points. Um, this is game is going to be on uh, the 11 o'clock ABC game. So again, a big national audience for Cincinnati. Cincinnati, FBI has them as a 90% chance to win this game. Um, last week, they were a 29-point favorite against Temple, and I went against Cincinnati. And they just absolutely demolished Temple. So I'm going to do the opposite this week, and I'm going to take Cincy uh, to cover the 21 points and come out with a win over UCF. I think UCF's a little bit down this year. They're not quite the same team as they were in the past years. And I think they are um, going to take one on the chin from uh, the Bearcats. So I was with you last week in that I was like, I was scared that 29 point spread. Right. I was like, that's just so much. And then I think it, I think I was at crickets Friday night when that game was going on, it was a Friday night game. Mm -hmm. And somebody, uh, somebody I was with said, Oh man, since he's up by 28 and it was like the first half (laughs) and I'm just sitting there thinking, well, I'm a big old doofus. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. Um, I'm taking since he to cover that 21 points. Um, UCF isn't as bad as Temple is, but man, Cincinnati, I, I, I think I said it two or three weeks ago. I think they're going to be the first group of five team that actually makes the playoff. They're going to be heavily favored in every game for the rest of the season that they play. I don't think that they're going to lose that top four spot um, as long as they stay undefeated. They're the first group of five team to actually make it into the top four of, of the AP poll since the college football playoff was a thing. And so this is legitimately people, some history that we're watching the first group of five team that I think has a legitimate shot at making the college football playoff. Um, and I think they know that and they're going to go out and they're going to show out against a UCF team that, uh, 
is a, is a little beat up and not what they have been in years past. So I'm taking Cincy to cover. Yeah, and I didn't realize this, but like I think I was watching the broadcast Friday, and they mentioned like they hadn't beat Temple in like four years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Because since he's been, it seems like they Cincinnati's been so good, especially after last year. I didn't get to play last year. That was the thing because mm-hmm. of the COVID had gotten in the way. But um, yeah, that was uh, they do look like a juggernaut. So I am rooting for Cincinnati, um, even without the being a. Big 12 adjacent, I would still be rooting for them. I think, uh, I hope they make it for sure. Absolutely. Okay. If they win a national championship, the Big 12 wins a national championship. Yeah, heck yeah. If the SEC can do it, so could we. <laughs> All right. Next is um, Oklahoma State is traveling to Texas. They are a five and a half point dog. That game is also 11 a.m. on Fox. FPI has Texas as a 78% favorite to win this game and let's start with you what do you see in this game uh so texas and texas tech are two teams that i feel like whatever i pick is the opposite of what's going to happen um but i'm gonna still keep going with my gut like you said texas is a five and a half point favorite in this one and they're at home in austin and they've got a bad taste in their mouth after last week and i I'm just going to take them. I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I think it's a, I think it's going to be a weird game because Oklahoma state can play some serious defense so they can prevent you from scoring, but Texas has a really good offense. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to actually watch this game and pay attention to it. Uh, I think it'll end up being, uh, I think it's going to be something like 21, 13 Texas. That's kind of my prediction for it. So I'm taking Texas to cover. How about you? Uh, I'm going the other way. I I just have a gut feeling. I have nothing to base this on. Um, I've seen a little more of Oklahoma State. I think their defense is really good. Um, I think Oklahoma's defense was is not good, and they had some trouble. Um, so I think it'll be – I think o- Oklahoma State's going to win this game. And I'm putting it on – just my gut feeling, and I think that it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I think the defense is going to hold Texas down, um, and so you're going to see something of the nature of more like what you saw with the Oklahoma State-Baylor game. So I could see Oklahoma State scoring like 24, 27 points and keeping um, Texas to around, you know, 20, 21 or so. Matt Workman, are, are you predicting, because I just, I'm just looking, I'm reading the tea leaves here. Are, are you are you almost ready to predict an Oklahoma State appearance in the Big 12 championship game? Uh, well, we're going to have to see. Um, I still think Oklahoma State's going to drop a game or two down okay. the stretch, you know, because they still have to play, you know, they have Bedlam, of course. Um, they still have to play TCU, Iowa State, <laughs> Kansas State. So, oh, no, they beat Kansas State. So, Iowa State and Kansas State, I mean, TCU and Oklahoma still left on their schedule. I still think they're going to drop a couple of games. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be really tight for number two. All right. So after that game, um, we will skip the Baylor game. That's actually the next one on the schedule. And yeah. as always, we do that one last. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next up, we will have at 3 p.m. 
the wonderful wor- wonderful world of ESPN Plus. Our friends from Lubbock will be traveling to Lawrence, Kansas. We've got Texas Tech versus the Jayhawks. Texas Tech just coming off of uh, not a good few weeks for them. I don't think they're too happy. Um, or I, I, I guess just one week. They did take out West Virginia. But 16 and a half point favorites in Lawrence. And an 88% FPI chance of winning. I think that's, that feels almost disrespectful to me that you're at 88% on the FP on the computers are saying that, but the Vegas handicappers are only giving you 17 points and it's Kansas. So what are you thinking about this one, Matt? Is this disrespectful? Does tech get the bad taste out of their mouth? What goes on here? Well, I think I want to, I want to pick Kansas. I really do. I mean, they beat Texas tech before um, with far worse teams. But I, it's you just I can't for the life of me pick for Kansas to win a, a conference game. So um, I think Texas Tech is going to cover. I think they'll cover the sixteen and a half points. That sounds about right. Um, Seventeen point win. I, I do think it's going to be at, at the beginning. It'll be a little bit, a little bit close, and people are going to get uncomfortable in Lubbock. But I believe that at the end of the day, Texas Tech is going to you know, put on some points and they're going to cover that 17 point or 16 and a half point spread and, and take care of Kansas just like everyone else does. But I am concerned about Texas tech because after this, I don't know if they have another win on their schedule, but I think they are going to take care of Kansas. They're definitely going to win. And I think they're definitely going to cover. Um, Kansas is, they're still the, um, they're the still kind of like, refresh team right iowa state lost to us they got to go play kansas the next week and kind of just shake it off and get ready to move forward with whatever you got next if your prediction is correct though where it's kind of close early in texas and tech pulls away at the end man that's there's going to be a lot of matt wells hate for the first part of that game because they are they're a lot of that fan base is ready to implode on him and if i think if they don't get a fast start against kansas this week there's going to be people that get fed up even, even, even in the first half. So I just, think I hope they're going to have trouble with Jason Bean. Yeah. I think, Their I think it's going good. to be one of those things where I think tech tech's going to be able to score at will on them, but, yeah. but yeah, Bean's a good little mobile running quarterback. Um, he can do, he can do a few things with his arm too. Um, so I think you might be right. I think it might be one of those things where it's, you know, 21 to 17 late in the second quarter. Um, and then Kansas just doesn't have the horses and tech does at the end yeah. of the game and, and they pull away. But yeah, I think tech covers. Um, honestly, I think tech probably wins by 24 to 28 points yeah. in this game. You're probably right. I just think they're from what I've seen from the Texas game and the game against TCU, they, their run defense is, is putrid. Yeah, and, not good. And they haven't had to play like I mean, aside from Bijan, they haven't had to play the best running game, running teams in my imagination. So like you haven't played Iowa State yet. Brees Hall hasn't hasn't run through that. You haven't played Baylor yet. And they're they're running attack. So I think it's um it's not gonna get any better for them on, on that front. All right, the next game on the list. This is a 6.30 on ABC, a primetime game. 
It is TCU at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, last I checked, was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, FBI has them as an 82% chance to win this game. Um, and I went with TCU to cover. Again, I think OU wins, but I think TCU covers the 13-and-a-half points. I just think that it's um, – OU had a big win. Um I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, if they're going to roll out Spencer uh, Rattler back out there to take over the starting role, or if they're going to go with Caleb Williams, who came in and gave them a spark. Um, I think that the Texas game was the, – the second half of the Texas game was more about Texas and less about Oklahoma. You know, they had the spark from – brought in a quarterback that Texas didn't game plan for or expect to play, and he did a lot of scrambling and running around. OU's offensive line – isn't really that good. TCU defense, while it hasn't been the best in recent years, it's gonna, it's still a, a good unit. And I just think the way that Bijan ran early in the game with that um, stable of running backs that they have at TCU, they're able to keep the game close. And while I do think OU wins, I think they win by uh, less than 13 and a half points. All right, so we're going to have – I think this is, what, our second disagreement. I think OU will cover this one. Um, yeah. I am I, – I think I said this last week. I'm just kind of, like, fully off the TCU train. Um, I, I don't – I just don't believe in them. And Oklahoma's going to be riding high. And I, I, I think I called them 2014 Florida State earlier earlier this week, and that's, that's kind of what they feel like to me is they're just – Yeah, that's good. They're gonna they're gonna just like keep writing and not losing, and they have a big name. And as long as they don't lose, they're gonna stay up where they need to, and they're gonna end up in the playoff. And I think they're just gonna get absolutely like mauled by whoever they play in the playoff. Um, and it's gonna be like, oh, oh, oh you shouldn't be here. I hope um, it's so they're they're kind of the 2014 Florida State to me. Um, and yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not a big believer in TCU. Um, Zach Evans is really good. Uh, but I saw this week that uh, he and Max Duggan are both questionable. I think it's a, probably a little bit of gamesmanship. Lies. Gary. Those, are, those are Gary Patterson lies. Yeah, it's gamesmanship from him because he's upset that Lincoln Riley won't name who their starting quarterback is. Yeah, um, I I don't think there's any way Lincoln Riley sends Spencer Rattler out there. Does he? Saturday would have said no. I said it's done. But then. I'm just – I don't know. I mean, he's he's practicing with the team. You? I could see them having – I could see him trying to pull a uh, we're going to play both quarterbacks type of thing where he rolls out Spencer Sanders and then Caleb Williams gets a series. I mean, there's – if there's a guy that, like, I believe could pull that off, it like, he's on the short list. And he's not – he's got the coolest seat probably in college football. So if he makes the wrong decision, it's not going to be the end of the world. But oh, yeah. no. man, you, I think you and I've just, we've talked about this so many times is Spencer Rattler hasn't given you any, any reason to believe he's not the guy that he's telling you he is. So I, if I'm Lincoln Riley, like, what do I have to lose? Like the guy who cares what he was rated in high school and what he did there. I just had a guy come in and play against Texas in one of the biggest games in college football and he didn't flinch and he went out there and he won it for me. He went out there and won the game for me. I want that guy in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's not like and, Caleb Williams is a five-star himself. Exactly. I mean, right. <laughs> it's Oklahoma. So like, 
it's it's not like that. It's not Trevor. I mean, Tanner Mordecai. I mean, as good as he's looked at SMU, you could tell that like, he was just a, a talent wise a step below Spencer Rattler. Right. And but he did this last year. He pulled him and then put Mordecai in the Texas game last year, and they came back. I mean, he did come back into the game, and they ended up beating Texas last year. And then he had a Spencer Rattler had a great second half of the season. So I don't know. Yeah, I really I, that's what I am honestly that's what I'm most interested to see in this game. I think if Caleb Williams, if if he plays it, the majority of this football game, I think OU covers. If it's no. Spencer Rattler starting and playing the whole game, then I kind of agree with you where Oklahoma will win, but TCU will cover. I think that it's if if it was me, it'd be Caleb Williams. Yeah. Just because I think I agree. with the struggles of your offensive line, he gives you a little bit more of a dynamic that uh Spencer Rattler just hasn't shown that he's able to do. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. All right, so the the last game of the week before we get to the crown jewel, we've got Farmageddon. Farmageddon. Iowa State travels to the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas this week. They've got a primetime game, but they're on ESPN two. But still, hey, pretty big network. Nice job. the 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 kids from from Ames and Manhattan can be happy about being on on a big boy channel. <laughs> Iowa State is a six and a half point. So a touchdown favorite um, FPI is giving them a 77% chance to win over Kansas state. Who you got? Uh, I, Iowa state. I think Iowa state's going to win this game. I don't think Kansas state is as good as people think they are. I think they're a good team. They're a good middle of the pack, big 12 team. I just don't think they're as good up to this level of Iowa state. Um. So after that Kansas game and Iowa State having a week off to kind of get get themselves right, this is the time. I mean, this is October, correct? And it is called Brocktober for a reason. And I think this is whenever Iowa State turns it on. And so I think they're going to do that this week. I think this year they're going to rename it. It's going to be Breestober. <laughs> um, Brees Hall is a, is a man among boys. and Absolutely. I, can't I, I'm excited to watch him play as much football as I possibly can. Yeah, he's an NFL running back. Yeah, he very much is. He's scary. Um, that that uh, the, it reminds me watching watching Brees Hall play reminds me of um, oh man, uh, the Pat McAfee. Um, he had a moment on the NFL Top 100 a few years ago when JJ Watt was number one or number two in the NFL Top 100. And Pat McAfee had a line that said, I've been told that all men are created equal. And I know that's not true because JJ Watt and I are not equal. (laughs) And and, and that's how I feel about Brees Hall. That guy is just, uh, he is, he, he and I are not the same thing. (laughs) I I don't know how you can, how you can be as just amazing of a specimen of man as Brees Hall is. Um, all that being said, I, I don't think I I don't think Iowa State's going to lose this game, but I'm taking K State to cover. I think this is going to be a two or a three point win for Iowa State, only because they start really slow. Um, that's they're just notorious for doing that, and their style of football is not fast paced. And K State's going to like that. K State's going to turn this game into a low scoring kind of slog. I think there's going to be multiple punts and a lot of special teams involved, which does not benefit Iowa State. I think K State. Um, we'll be able to capitalize in a couple areas there. I don't trust their offense to really consistently be able to score on Iowa State, um, but I think they can find unique uh, other ways to keep it close. And then I think once you get into the fourth quarter, 
Brees Hall being the amazing running back that he is. He's a bruiser. You don't want to tackle him for four quarters. And it's going to be one of those things where um, I think ISU will be able to just run some people over at the end of the game, control the clock, keep the football. Matt Campbell doesn't care about winning by a certain amount. All he cares about is winning. So, like I said, I think this is a a field goal to a four-point kind of win for Iowa State. Um, and they come out happy to have won in Manhattan because it's never easy to win there. Correct. Yes. Um, so I can't believe you're gonna you're gonna do your boys in Iowa State like that. I know you have an affinity for the the Cyclones and <laughs> you and no. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been where I where I got it from. But anyway, um, then finally we get to the game of the week. It is. BYU coming to Waco to take on Baylor. It is a future Big 12 matchup, 2023. And it is – I've been racking my brain, like, what's a good name for this this game for future reference? And you can't really use the Holy War because they have got that. So is Mormons versus Baptists, that's the best we have? I can't really I've – been, I've been thinking all week about this. Like we can call it for like the battle for the super soaker. True. Although that's more <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they'd want to win it or not, but yeah. <laughs> I think unofficially we could we could bring one of those to the game. They yeah. They <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, yeah, yeah. People it, come find us on Twitter and tell us what you think the the, the best possible rivalry game for this uh, name for this rivalry game should be. Because I'm interested to see. I, I don't yeah. I don't quite know what to call it. I mean, I guess you could call it maybe like the um, the Republican National Convention, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Baylor is favored by – it's moved a lot. So up to six points. Um, this game is at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Baylor is a 77% favorite by FPI to win this game. Um, how do you see this game? This is an interesting. I've been eyeing this one all year because it's this game, other than like Oklahoma and perhaps maybe Texas, has been the one that I thought was um, <clears throat> our biggest um, struggle. What do you think? I am cheesing right now. If you could see my face, I got a big old smile. I think I, Baylor's going to cover. They're going to win. They're going to win by more than a touchdown. And I think, I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw last week. I think Baylor's going to run rough shot over this team. I think, I think Grimes and Mateos know exactly what they're going to want. I think they've practiced against this defense and they understand what these kids like. They've coached the offensive line and they know exactly what those kids' strengths and weaknesses are on that offensive line. And they're going to feed that information to Dave Aranda, just like Mike Gundy may have gotten it from a grad assistant before he played us. And uh, I really think, I think, I feel like this Baylor team believes in themselves. I think they got that. They got that. They got, they got their butt beat in Oklahoma state. They went up to Stillwater. They got punched in the mouth and they had a rough night. And I don't think they liked it very much. And I don't think they want it to happen again. I think Baylor comes out in this game this week and absolutely asserts their will. Um, I think it's going to be really, really balanced. Um, I think they're going to pass heavily in the first half and then they're going to be able to coast using Abram Smith and Ebner in the second half. And they're going to be able to just really assert a physical running game to close it out. 
Um, and I fully expect all of us to be celebrating a homecoming victory and bowl eligibility, completely erasing the, the rough year that we had last season, grabbing that sixth win of the year and really just setting ourselves up to move through the rest of our, our schedule, which is all big 12 games and, you know, everything that we've got moving ahead to try to get ourselves um, into that big 12 championship game at the end of the year and, and doing everything that we can don't know if we really do have the horses to, to get to that point, but I think this is the catapult kind of game last non-con against an opponent that people respect at least right now. Um, and this will get us back ranked and, and set us up, I think for success for the rest of the season. What do you got, Matt? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think that after last week's game, I, I believe the same way. And I watched most of the um, BYU-Boise State game. And you could kind of just tell if, with how their defense <clears> – <throat> excuse me – how their defense did against the shutting down the running attack. I think that's the key. We can stop the run. And from Tyler Algiers from having a big game, that kind of – I think Aranda alluded to that. Like that kind of – that runs their offense. You know, the running game, they kind of do the same thing. Of course they do. The same thing that Baylor does where they want to establish the run and take deep shots. And I think with the familiarity that um, Grimes and Mateos have from the personnel that they coached last year and then seeing the on the defensive side, seeing the, what they did in practice every day. And uh, Grimes was there for three years and Mateos was there for two years. So they have a really good idea of what they're going to do personnel wise but also did you listen to any of uh, Dave Aranda's uh Monday press conference no I haven't gotten to it yet I mean there are storylines all over the place because he talked about how he is like he's known Kalani Sataki for many years whenever he was uh coaching at Utah State and they were then he went to Hawaii and they coached against uh, BYU there was a conference game at the time and that they would know each other and talk ball and meet up. And then he actually coached the associate head coaches, Ed Lamb. He hired Dave Aranda as defensive coordinator in 2008 at Southern Utah before Dave went to uh, Hawaii as a defensive line coach. So, I mean, they, both of these staffs are very familiar with each other. And I think from his days at Utah state and Hawaii, Dave Aranda is going to really want to beat BYU. <laughs> And he understands what they do, that they're grown men. They're not 18 and 19 year old. These are like guys with families. You know, it's a different animal. And that he's probably going to preach that all, all this week that they're going to play, they're, they're, they're tough, and that it's going to be a fight. But I do think that Baylor covers the six points. And I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be like it was last week, mainly because I don't think they have the, the speed on the back end of the defense to cover Mm-mm. our receivers, basically. And so, and I think our, our offensive line is playing really good. We'll be able to run on them and least the threat of run so that maybe those safeties will come down so we can hit those shots over the top. Yeah, 100% all on board. I am stoked for this game. By the way, guys, I, I don't know if I mentioned this. It is at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah. So we've got around the big boy network, mid midday, 2.30 prime slot. So um, this is one of my favorite my favorite game times is the two thirty game. Um, though I, I kind of fell in love with an eleven AM start this past weekend. I won't lie; it, let, it lets you do a lot of stuff. See, but speaking of that, I'm a Dave Aranda mentioned this, and so 
I'm of the same mind. He talked about when you get older, he goes, you're up anyway. You might as well play a game. Yeah, and That's kind of how I feel quote. about it. So like as a, as a father of having two children and just getting to that point where, you know, yeah, I'm already awake on Saturday at like 7 a.m. So I might as well, we might as well play now while I'm up. You know, yeah. I would, I would love that. Or that's, I'm always like, man, when can I start drinking? Because it is a little bit early right now, but. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't hate it. I didn't hate it. So. All right. Well, that, that those are all the main games that we had for this week. Um, before we get into our, our general closing question of, um, you know, are there any other games outside of the, the big 12 plus that, that you're interested in? I have, I have two questions for you this week, Matt. Okay, perfect. So, so the first one is um, uh, for those of you who don't know recently uh, some emails got leaked uh, from Las Vegas Raiders head coach, John Gruden of him saying some uh, just, horrific and terrible things um there will be plenty of podcasts and people that get into it to criticize him and talk about that i don't think matt and i or either of us are quite mentally equipped uh to really dive into those other than to say that sounds like john gruden's a total asshole um that being said i posed a question on twitter last night um that was quote unquote inspired by what went down so i'll ask you matt if there's any coach in the history of football, uh, specifically, let's say college football, let's leave the NFL out of this. You could, if you could read the proverbial emails. So I know not everybody's had email, but let's just act like they did. So, so I'll ask the question is, is there any coach out there, college football coach all time? Um, if you could see their proverbial emails, who would it be? Hmm. Any coach all time. I would love to read some Bill Parcells emails. I'll, I'll give you, so I'll give you that one. That was, I got that answer last night and I thought that was, I thought that was a really, really good one was Bill Parcells. And then as a Bill Parcells, I'm trying to think, Oh, like Rex Ryan for sure. <laughs> Cause uh, you hear, if you hear what he says, like, um, on television when he's being recorded, I can imagine what he says, what he thinks it's a private conversation over an email. <laughs> I, I think, I think some of the best ones I heard were, were bum Phillips. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Hugh freeze was, was a pretty common one. Um, and I think, I think maybe the most common answer, there were two that I saw more than the others were Dabo and Mike Leach. I think I feel like Mike Leach's emails would would just be memes and conspiracy theories. I think dabbles are just going to be like uh, like scripture verses. That and complaining about how much money people make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dabo. I I think I I, I think I said uh, Dabo is currently googling um, how to delete emails from other people's computers right now. Uh, sure. I, I think Dabo is on the list of guys that doesn't want his emails read, but um it's so that's that was this teaches you or any coach it's like i, I it, it boggles my mind what people write in an email yeah no i sit there i have agonized over like what wording to, like how many exclamation points to put in an email like what does this if i put an exclamation point behind this sentence does it make me seem unprofessional before i send this and i can't, i can't imagine being the kind of person 
who's just like, yep, I'm going to be a total racist asshole and put it on record. <laughs> yeah, same way. I'm like, uh, like at my work emails, they're just about work, work. And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go talk to this person face to face just because I don't want a record of what, you know, and or vice versa. I say, I'm going to send them an email because I want to I want a recorded a response. I would never think to send an email to someone and just like I put a Twitter last night. I said it's well enough alone to get fired for having a racist comments in an email or even homophobic ones or misogynistic ones, but to hit all three is like, yeah, I think it was Schefter said that he, uh, he had a clean sweep of, of offending people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it amazes me that, but yeah, I think you're right. It proves that he's just, which I suspected this just generally like an asshole and just a crotchety old racist old 70 year old. How old he is 60 year old? Yeah. Surprise, surprise, right? Yeah. Now, Matt, the, the last thing I got for you. Okay. We have a question that has come in from a viewer okay. or for, from a listener. Sorry, wrong medium. We're not on TV. So Scott Spain Smith reached out to me last week. Oh, no. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll read it word for word. Okay. Matt Workman is at a middle school football game. I'm trying to convince him he needs to devote at least three minutes on the podcast to analyze it. And I said, yes, I'm bringing this up next week. So Matt Workman, I need your breakdown on the middle school football game that you attended this past week. Well, I'm going to preface this by saying that I was at a middle school football game because my 11, 12 year old daughter, seventh grader is at that stage. where like, Oh, it's a football game. I want to go. And so I was, I was, uh, going through like a uh, an anxiety attack at the time I was there. So and hold on, let me get this straight. You did not have any relation to anyone that was participating either no. on the field or tangentially in any of the other groups that participate in a football game. You were no. just there because your daughter is a fan. She goes to the school. They had right. a football game um, and she doesn't care about the football game. She came, went there to meet her friends and probably try to talk to boys. So, okay. That's my general thing was where is she at? That was that was my whole time was like scouring. But I didn't, you know, <laughs> as being a football fan, I was watching some of the game. And so I, I text Scott this and I'll go ahead and say it there. It, it's not going to take three minutes. It's like um, both quarterbacks sucked. One of them, one team had a fast kid. The other team had no fast kids. And you can tell who won the game. <laughs> I'm guessing team with fast kid. King team fast kid. Um, they won uh, twenty eight to nothing. Oh wow! Oh, and this so, game was it was okay. So I live in Louisiana. Um, I was born and raised and spent most of my life in Texas, and this was not that even middle school football. There was no there was not there wasn't a scoreboard, so I don't know. Yeah, you know, what the time was. I didn't know what the score was. I just knew like, oh, that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. But it was just such a, a culture shock coming from growing up in Texas to where like whenever I played, we played in the same field as our high school team for junior high. Right. And these are, they're like, this is like a practice field next to the middle school. So it's just, <laughs> it was just a different world, but yeah, it is. It was middle school football. So thank you, Scott, for your question. I appreciate it. And uh, 
there's your uh, a couple minutes on the podcast. Beautiful. All right, so we'll close it out now. Our 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 regular final question of the week, Matt. Is there a game before on we the did, schedule got, this week? I got something before we do that. Oh, you do? I okay, mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mentioned last time that if we got a five star review, I would read it. And we, we did get a five star review. And this is from, I'm going to say it's B Ellison, 14, on Apple Podcast. Gave it a five star review and said title of it was Good Pivot, enjoying the switch to Baylor coverage. So thank you for that concise. Uh, review and for the five star review you heard it here first folks this is a five star podcast Mm -hmm. this is this is ear medicine yes for sure oh man now i feel i feel good so let's that's that's just a good way to dive into our final segment of what game outside of the big 12 plus the future big 12 whatever we want to call it yeah what's sticking out to you this week matt well, of course, you, you alluded to it before, like the big game um, is the Georgia-Kentucky game. And like a, a reason that sticks out is, I mean, is a, Kentucky is 6-0 and for the first time since 1950. So it's been 71 years since they've been 6-0. and um, So, yeah, that's a big deal. They ran through LSU, and it wasn't even close. It was 42-21, and it wasn't that close. Um, but I think they are uh, they're that's that's coming to an end this week for sure. I think Georgia, like you said, is just not it's just their year, and they've looked like the number one team the whole whole season. All right, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something different out for you. Okay. So everybody everybody always wants to watch the teams that have the highest numbers next to their name play every week, right? Yeah. So. Last week, we got UConn versus UMass, maybe the two worst teams in Division I football. And UMass won. They beat UConn 27-13. to 13. So UConn really has the, the designation now of probably being the worst FBS team. Um, they have taken that, or, or sorry, the worst Division I team. Sure. Um, I, think, I think they've taken it away from, uh, from Kansas. So this week... On the CBS Sports Network, there there is no line, I think, for this game at all. There is an FPI, though. UConn will host the Yale Bulldogs. UConn is 0-7. Yale is 2-2. Yale, according to FPI, has a 59% chance of winning this game. If you are a team in the football bowl subdivision and you're going up against Yale and a computer thinks that there's a 60% chance that they're going to beat you. Oh buddy, that's bad. So I am, uh, I am actually going to try to watch this game on CBS sports network because I'm a degenerate. and I want to see just how horrible it could look to see. Can Yale pull it out and beat you? God. I saw that game and I think it's glorious. I love everything <laughs> about it. I am a degenerate, and I I believe that this is going to be an amazing, amazing train wreck for UConn, and I can't wait to see any kind of clips from it, um, highlights or lowlights, as the case may be. And to have Yale, they don't have scholarship players. Yeah. They're just smart kids who have some athletic ability who can walk on. It's just – 
to be to be a FBI like that much. I mean. And part of it's probably because, you know, they're coming off a real heated loss to Dartmouth last week, 24-17 in overtime. Yeah. So, you know, you never want to lose to Dartmouth, people. It leaves the team fired up, and they're going to be heading into UConn to take these boys out. So watch out, Huskies. Yale's coming for you. One thing I am interested in, aside from, like, the big matchups, is I'm a a crossover LSU fan um, through marriage. So I've I got into LSU when I got married to my wife. She's a big LSU fan. Then 2019, I was really into it. You know, they did amazing, won a national championship. Um, I've continued to follow them. And it's it's really been a, a weird situation to watch the decline from 2019 to two years later, 2021. And I was thinking about this tonight. As, as Baylor fans, we've had uh, several coaching changes in the last five years or so, six years from – Bryles to Grove interim to Matt Rule now to Dave Aranda. Um, but we've never been in a position to where we actively see our team, or I said recently, like be successful and then decline. It's you know, Bryles was a was a shock, you know, that came out of nowhere for outside football reasons. Um, Matt Rule left for the NFL, so that was success, and so we had to replace their coach. So I mean it's it's weird to see like what it's like to be that level and then to see this decline and then you have to you know you have to replace a coach and you're watching these games and have to, you want to root for your team but you know that none of those coaches no one's going to be there and then so it's just a weird um just environment all around that team and I'm, I'm interested to see how they react to you know they have florida this week at 11 a.m after they just got drilled by kentucky so I want to see how they team reacts and how if it's going to be another like just if if he's going to be fired at the after Florida game. That's the kind of what I'm waiting to see. I thought he would be fired like Monday. Yeah, poor Coach O. He's he it nobody wants to be the next Gene Chizik, but it, it appears that he is. So he but the thing about it is he lucked into this four star quarterback from Ohio State. I mean, he's a great recruiter. Here's the thing about Coach O. He's a great recruiter, and he's a, he's a good defensive line coach. Um, so he, he lucked into – recruited Joe to LSU. He got Joe Brady to leave the Saints where he was a assistant coach, kind of like quality control coach. And then, you know, then he leaves. And I, I said this on Twitter on uh, during the LSU game. I was like, I bet Coach O hates Matt Rule. Because mm-hmm. Matt Rule, like – it was the start him taking the Panthers job was kind of the start of decline of like LSU football. Yeah. He lost to Randa and Brady because Matt rule took the Panthers job. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, but yeah, I'm interested. And I want to see like, kind of, I'm, I'm interested to see where they would go with that. People have thrown out Aranda, but I don't think he's going back to Baton Rouge though. No, he's not the right. He, I don't think Aranda is the right fit for LSU no, personality wise. Well, Joe, I think uh, if, if anybody goes to LSU, um, it, it's got to be a big name, and I think it's got to be somebody that doesn't have a lot of baggage. So think about the short list of coaches that are a big name, are currently successful, and don't have any baggage behind them. Um, if you can come up with a list that's that, that's going to be who LSU's AD is talking to. Yeah, I, I, I listened to a, – he's a, he has 
his name's Nat Viscon. He does a radio show in Baton Rouge. And he said his sources have said it's going to be a non, but no baggage high. Yep. So I think you could kind of rule out Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, Urban he Meyer, any of the Bryles crew. Yeah. And so you, the big names with non baggage, you're looking to like, you have um, Penn State's head coach. I forgot his name real quick. James Franklin. James Franklin. I almost said Kurt Franklin, but I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> and then other name, oh, Luke Fickle. But he's the big, like, group of five. Luke Fickle. And then, of course, Billy Napier, who's down the road here where I live in Lafayette. Um, he's, his name's been thrown out there. And he's kind of like a saving disciple, so that would also make sense. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at LSU and at USC. So, it's, yeah, that's what it's, and there may be more jobs to, you know, more big jobs going down the line. So, that's always the silly season is always fun. Anyway, did you have anything else, Joe? Or are you, uh, that's it for me good. this week, Matt? Where can the people find you if, if I want to come talk to you and I want to send you secret DMs about people that I see in middle school games? Where can I do that? Well, you can find me as always on Twitter at Matt D Workman. And um, I'm always on Twitter, probably too much, but yeah, I'm always there. DMs are open for sure. What about you, Joe? So speaking of Twitter, I, I that's 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 my addiction. I told Amy Graham Paget at this tailgate this weekend. I made some some comments about how horrible Twitter is, and she said, "I I really like Twitter." And I said, "I hate Twitter, but I'm addicted to it." <laughs> and uh, a reason why is this weekend I I had a tweet that got two thousand likes, and it was the worst experience ever. Um, so uh you i couldn't mute that thing fast enough but uh but you can find me at the underscore joe underscore goodman like matt said i am i'm probably just absolutely way too much for my own mental health but um i love it and hate it at the same time so that's where you can find me i know where you're coming from because one time before like the season seven of game of thrones um i tweeted something they had something and i tweeted like a gif uh, a Game of Thrones gif, you know, responding to it. And then the Game of Thrones official, like, Twitter account, like, retweeted it. And it just got, like, blew up. And I, my phone was just blowing up all the time with, like, likes and retweets. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's the, it, uh, it was, uh, I wish I could say who who was the person that said this. Um, I think Trill Withers, or I think it may have been that said it, but is the only platform when you when you use it successfully that it makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Joe, All right, hope you man. have a great weekend. Enjoy your college football weekend. I am off this weekend, so I will be home and enjoying all the games. So um, we'll see you next week. And uh, as always, at Sick and Bears. Yes, sir. Talk to you next week, man. Network.